primary uh, place that, that the sages talk about, Kibbut Aveim, uh, honoring parents, is in the Talmud in Kiddushin, in the, around 3031. So this, um, these, uh, these uh, snippets, these uh, quotes, are, uh, are from that place in the Talmud, Talmud Kiddushin 30. And uh, it says, it starts off by saying... We know that uh, honor your parents, honor your father and mother is actually part of the Ten Commandments. Right? Which number commandment is it? Six. Five. You know five. Right. The parent says, I know. (laughs) So it is a, obviously, a very, very crucial, important mitzvah. Think about it. It's up there with, you know, believe in God and... You know, thou shalt not murder, and all these fundamentals that we that, that that our society is built upon. You know, even everyone embraces the Ten Commandments as as guiding principles for societies to be you know to be successful. And amongst that, we have honor our parents. So obviously, it's very important. Um, but it's striking to see what the what the Talmud says uh, with regards to honoring your parents. Uh, our rabbis taught. So there's a verse in the Torah. Honor your father and your mother. So that's one verse. And it also says, honor, your, uh, honor the Lord with thy substance. Thus, the Torah compares the honor due to parents to that of the omnipresent. Think about that. We think of honoring parents. Yeah, it's really important. But the Talmud says, that is comparable. The, to- the Torah equates honoring parents with honor God. So that's yeah exactly. Think of think of the enormity of that. Yes, it's part of the uh, the, the the tablets. It's part of the Ten Commandments. But much more so, we're comparing it. We're equating honoring your parents to the honor that you have to give to God. And because those two verses are written right next to each other. Additionally, it also said, um, "You shall fear your every. Uh, you shall fear every man his mother and his father." And it also says, the Lord your God, thou shalt fear, and him thou shalt serve. I hate these thou's. I modernized it. Thus, the Torah equates the fear of parents to the fear of God. Now, this is a new thing. We know you not only have to honor your father and your mother, you have to fear your mother and your father. And the Torah juxtaposes the verse of honoring your parents to the verse honoring God, to tell you that, that as important as it is to honor God, it's important to honor your parents as well. And the Torah juxtaposes the verse telling you to, uh, to, to fear your parents, to have respect for your parents, next to fearing, having respect to God. To tell you that it's, it's, it, it equates fear of God to fear of parents. And the last thing that it says over here in the, in, in, uh, the first paragraph, our rabbis taught there are three partners in men, the Holy One, blessed is He, i.e. God, the Father, and the Mother. Three partners means who, like who composed us? We have our Father, and whether we have God. And actually, you have a very, very interesting uh, idea. Very interesting idea, actually, brought down in the Talmud elsewhere, also in 31, ironically. It needs us. That's something that's very strange. And I, I tried to find interpretations of what it means. I couldn't find it. I looked for it today. And it says the same. It says the same sentence. There's three partners in every person: God, his father, and his mother. Right? His father gives him or uh, fertilizes the white, which compose the bones and the fingernails and the uh, and the white of the eye. Just five five things: the bones, the fingernails, the white of the eye, the teeth, and uh, something else. I can't remember which one. And the mother, she gives the red. The red is like the black of the eye, the skin, the, the sinews, the muscles. Um, and, uh, and God, he gives the ability to talk and the ability to speak, the ability to walk and the ability to whatever, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, I find that, I find that like, um, I guess, I don't know how much science knows about what, the, what each parent contributes to the child. I think it's kind of murkier. We don't really know like how you know, the, the, the buildup of actually, you know, taking components from the father and components from the mother and, and using it, spleening it together to make a child. So but this is something interesting. Just, 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 um, on, you know, on, on that note. Um, 
So that's so that's that. So what, what do we say? We're saying three things. You have to honor your parents. You have to honor God. You have, you have to fear your parents. You have to respect your parents. You have to fear God. And those things are written out to each other because they're equally important. And the last thing is that there's three partners in every man, uh, in, in every human, his father, his mother, and his dad. I want to point out here, a very important point. If you take a look at the verse talking about honoring, who does it say first, father or mother? Read it. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother. What about when it says fear? So why would it? So wait, maybe the father is more important. Maybe the mother is more important. Either way, make up your mind. Why does the Torah say the order of the father and mother differently? By honoring, it says honor your father and then your mother. And by fear, it says honor your mother and then your father. Be consistent, right? Be symmetrical, right? Yeah. Father and mother or mother and father, either way. Don't have one, one verse honoring, uh, 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 you know, you know uh, having first the father and the mother and the verse relating to fear uh, is mother than father. Is that an interesting question? Trevor, I see Trevor's mind racing. Uh, I just, that's how I look normally. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, it's probably in Leviticus. I can find it in the actual source of Leviticus. Isn't it in the Revelation 10 Oh, no, no. Huh? I can tell you exactly where it is. It's not in the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. Exactly where it is. And. It is. <laughs> yes, Leviticus 19.3. I just think you think of the chapter that talks about love your fellow as yourself a few verses earlier, because that's also Leviticus 19, 19 20, 22, something like that. Right? A few verses earlier. Um, yes. So is that your question? I think so. Yeah. So the Talmud says like this. It's very interesting. Children are more prone to honor their mother more than their father. Whenever the camera zooms in on the athlete, he says the same thing every time. Hi, mom. So they say, it's always hi, mom. People have a tendency to honor their mother, to stick up for their mother uh, more than their dad. And then the Torah says, you know what? Honor your father and your mother. You have a greater tendency to honor your mother than your, than your father. So therefore it has to predicate and say, honor your mother. Make sure, honor your father. Make sure you don't honor your mother more than your father. They're equal. Conversely, when it comes to fear, right, a father rarely tells his child, you better wait till your mother gets home. <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? I don't know. Maybe in some families. Like in my family. In my family, maybe. <laughs> like, my, like my family. But uh, just wait. But generally, it's you wait till your dad, dad gets home and he's gonna blow his top, right? Um, yeah. So therefore, in that case, man has greater tendency to uh, to honor or to fear their dad. Therefore, it says fear your mom and your dad. Mom goes first. I mean, sometimes don't both parents, you know, stick together and say like. No, you can't do this. Like sometimes yes, and ideally it should be like that. Parenting, um, the number one rule about parent parenting is to make sure that both parents yeah, are aligned. Same. They're on the same page, yeah, same exactly. Page. So it's better to be wrong and on the same page than when there's discord. Because there's nothing worse than it for a child than to see their parents. Well, parents could disagree. You know, it's fine oh, no, for parents with, with, with the decisions for their children. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, like what we do is that if you know if we have a disagreement, we don't want to argue in front of the kids. You know, it's unsettling for our kids. Yeah. But our kids know we don't agree. Are you gonna always? Oh, ask your mother. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 So like, I asked my mom, uh, what do you say? Like, uh, what do you say? That's just poor decision making. That's what I think. Every time my kid comes to me, oh, oh can I have this? Can I have that? Go ask your mom, right? Go ask mommy. And he's like, no. mommy, go ask Abba, right? My mom, little sister, one of the whole time, would ask my mom, and she would say no, so she would go ask my dad, and he would say yes. <gasps> oh, she's smart. My parents were too smart for us. They always knew. It's actually a story. Also, this I, I I didn't write all the stories that were going on in this piece of Talmud, but right behind this piece of Talmud, this one guy comes on, this one student comes over to his um, to his teacher and says, "What do I do if my mom says give me a glass of water and my dad says let me a glass of water? Who do I get a glass of water first? You get two. You have two hands. But uh, let's say he has one hand only. I don't know. Or let's say was, <laughs> give me a uh, I don't know a uh, a barrel of wine." <laughs> But what do I do then? If I have to order them equally, what do I do? And very strange, because then he tells him, he says, I can tell that you're actually an orphan. So he tells him. And he's like, and, 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 and like, you're just asking me to like, you know, to get, you know, to just, get me, you know, you're just trying to drive me crazy. So he says, what you should do is you should take it, take one cup of water and put it on the floor and squat like a chicken. That's what it says. What that means is, is is discussed at length with the commentaries. It's very interesting. Uh, so it might mean that he's. It might mean what the, it, it, the simplest understanding is that he's telling him, "This is not applicable to you. You're just asking to drive me crazy. Yeah. So it's take a cup of water and squat like a chicken," which is his way of like telling him, "Stop bothering me." Or it could mean it could mean like there are some commentaries who take this this story and try to say, "Well, what does a chicken mean? And what's the meaning behind it? What are we really trying to tell them?" Etc. 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 Now, three partners in every man. Interesting. So we're saying that there's like a consortium here. There's like honoring the people who, who you know, who, who made you. You have to honor God. You have to honor your parents. And right after that, it says, oh, they're actually one team that created you. Mm-hmm. So it seems like... Hey, it's all like one group. It's all like one group. But also, it's like the same reason why you would honor your parents, you honor God, or vice versa. It's all about gratitude. They, they brought you into existence. There's three partners, they brought you into existence. You have to make sure that you respect them. You have to make sure that you're, that you're thankful and appreciative to what they did, did for you. Mm-hmm. Now, my grandfather's story, um, my grandfather, in his uh, last will and testament, so he writes, he, my grandfather wrote many, many books, um, and he writes, I remember, I was in the hospital like, right after he died. I was there. And they opened up his will. He had a will. Everyone knew he had a will. And it said, don't open until after I die. And in his will, because he had lots of, he had like, uh, lots of uh, royalties for the books. And he had the yeshivas and the assets and also the intellectual assets. You know, the intellectual property, so to speak. You know, this, you know tens of manuscripts, really, really interesting stuff that people you know, would find very valuable. So he had to like out try to you know soften up and make sure that you know none of his kids fight uh, yeah. uh, unsuccessfully. And they point out anyhow. So he writes. He writes. You should know that my real will and testament is in one of my books. The first book that I wrote, Alei Shur, uh, Volume One, on page three oh three. So I remember like yeah. And then you open up. Here's the book. It's the book. Oh my goodness, that's insane! It's the book, okay. And I remember, like, I was like, "What? This is published in 1966, and like, it has in it, like, encrypted in it somewhere, is his will I mean, on page 303." So I'm like, "Oh wow!" Like everyone kind of ran open. Everyone ran, and like, and then you get to page 303, and boom, like the top line, like just some like, I remember, like, getting like chills, like. And it's like, boom. And here's, uh, right, you open up, and there is a, this is a, a will. And it starts off saying, uh, my sons and my daughters, and, um, I'm writing you this letter, that you should live many, what, well, the whole, very long, and like, and he had this in 1966, it was published there. Yeah. And he, he, he. he and you didn't of, read this before and figure well, it out? He, he camouflaged. What's the context? Like, if someone... Yeah. So like this, this this book is a unique book because it is a book, it's like a guidebook to life. And it starts off like with you know 
people at the beginning stages, early stages of their life, and it ends off with like, um, like marriage and parenting, and and then there's a chapter about death, how to die properly, and he says, and he says. Oh, and I'll show you a sample, a sample tzavah, oh, a sample. That's crazy. Uh, I'll show you a, a sample last long testament that, you know, which is you can use as a guidebook. Here's a sample. <laughs> That's what he writes. Oh my goodness. And uh, interesting. He writes inside this. In, first of all, everyone was like shocked. Like, can you imagine like he died in 2005? So for almost 40 years, there's been, it's been available, widely available, sold 40,000 copies of this book. <laughs> widely available. Everyone knows that in his desk, he has this will and testament that says, don't open up till the day I die, right? And then the first thing he writes, you should know that my real tzavah, my real will and testament, is actually a short page 303. And, you know, shocking. And it's funny, because I probably if I would have read it, it's so his style. Like he's exactly his literary, literary style. So I probably would have figured it out, but I don't know how people actually did. Anyway, but he writes here, he's talking about how, um, he says, I want to tell you, he's trying to console his kids in this uh, sample class one. He's trying to console his kids, and he says, I want to tell you what I felt after my parents died. And he says that when, I, when my parents died, I felt like a, an urge to, to connect to the Almighty. He says, I didn't know what it was. He says, but then I figured out that it was a really, there's a really deep meaning behind it, a deep reason behind it. Why? Because there's three partners every person. Three partners. Mm-hmm. When one of the part- partners go down, the other partners compensate. Mm-hmm. The other partners compensate. And therefore, that's what he says. Like, like you know, all like all children, even 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 you know, people Jews who are estranged from from Practicing Judaism, but they always do Kaddish, and you know they celebrate the York side. They, they they have like a like a spiritual awakening when one of the parents dies, and that's because uh, of this idea of three partners in every person. As I, actually, there's a um, in Psalms 27, because my father and my mother have abandoned me, but God will come and collect me. It's what King David writes, which is also the same idea that you have. You, you know, you have like this tripod holding you up, your parents, and gone. And if, anyhow, again, sidetrack. But that's a nice little uh, anecdote. Okay, so what do we have till now? We have, uh, number one, there's a very important mitzvah to honor your parents and to fear your parents. How do we know it's important? Well, we know it's actually part of the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, it's the, you know, it's the... Uh, the, the, the core, the core mitzvah, the core of our, you know, of what our responsibilities. Um, that's number one. Number two, we compare it to how we have to honor and fear God. Like that, that's pretty serious. That's pretty serious. Um, that's, that's number one. It's really important. Number two, we have the idea of balance. Make sure you make sure they're balanced. Parents are equal. You, you know, so if you have a tendency to honor one more than the other, Right? You have a tendency to honor your mom more than your dad. You have to make sure that you stress to honor your dad. Don't say, hey, I'll honor my mom a little more than my dad. No, the Torah says honor your dad more than your mom. You have a tendency to honor your mom a little more. Make sure that you put extra effort to honor your dad. And conversely, your mom's so nice and sweet. That's a scary one with the whip, right? Make sure you fear your mom as well. Make sure you fear your mom as well. You have the respect for your mom. You mean your dad? No. You need to fear your mom. No, but it says fear your mom more than your dad. So you mean fear your dad more than your mom? No. No. It's an emphasis on the fact that you need to fear your mother because the fact is you're really more likely to fear your father. Exactly. So what if it's like the dad was never part of the kid's life? So this is where it gets tricky. What if, if, you know, this is a common common question. Every time you have this discussion, people will say, well, what about if your dad, you know, wasn't part of life or wasn't... Well, if they passed on, it's a separate discussion. Oh. But if they're a deadbeat dad. Or if they... Great. You know, you know, or if they... Um, if they're just not, not quality people. And, yeah, that, and those things have happened. Right. So that's where it gets becomes yeah, a real no. challenge. 
because it's unequivocal, even if your father or your mother is someone that's maybe on their own merit, is not worthy of being respected, your responsibility, as difficult as it may seem, is to find some way to respect them. Remember, you're only here because of them. That's true. So yes, you know, you may be miserable about the fact, but also, and, and you, you may find it hard to look past um, their, you know, their, their shortcomings. And that's, you know what, that's your challenge. Everyone has different meets of vote that are challenging for them. It doesn't mean that they could, you know, that they could, so you know what, this is an opportunity for you to work hard to actually accomplish this. You know, think about it. If, you're, if, you're, if your father is someone who's so noble and so worthy of being respected, your mom is just an angel and she's so sweet and so nice, then of course it would be very easy for you to, you know, to fulfill this commandment. It's very easy, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're, you know, if it's, if it's harder, then you know what? It's much more effort spended. It means you worked harder and you accomplished more by yourself with this mitzvah. Jason. Sometimes when uh, when you know God forbid when a parents dies, then, then you actually realize that they it's were terrible. they weren't that bad. It's terrible, I know. You know, God. as children, we have a way of magnifying our parents' shortcomings and not really seeing their their successes or their good character traits. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of thing where like the neighbor's parents seem so much so much nicer. And everyone wants to trade parents. And mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, the grass is always greener, right? Mm-hmm. Elsewhere. I have a question. Yeah. Because I was thinking, what about if the child was adopted and it's not the real parents? Because you just said when it's like the parents, because the parents gave you life. So what happens then? Okay, think about it this way. So the question is, do you have to honor your adopted parents or do you have to honor your biological parents that you don't know? Well, obviously it's both, right? Yeah, think about it. Because um, they're raising you, but you said because they gave you life. Yeah, but also mm-hmm. it's they gave you life, but it's also it's a debt of grat- gratitude. Think about how much gratitude you have to give. We kind of feel indebted to our kids, you know. It's like if you if you're mad at your kid, nothing to do about it, right? <laughs> but if you choose to adopt, you know, or to foster another child, right. then that's the same thing. oh, that's a serious leap of uh, oh, you know, okay. leap of I don't know, faith, a leap of sure. of effort. So yeah. how you know you certainly have to. Have to show gratitude to okay. someone like that for sure. Uh, would it be with the same severity? That's a good question. What about in laws? Very good question. What about what about parents in law? Well, you have to show gratitude because you're married in. Otherwise, they're going to hate you for the rest okay, of Okay, I can't say this on. on, on, on uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yes, you have you have to respect your parents in law. I mean, well. you don't want that there to be already a rift. I mean, that's never good. That commandment does not extend to in-laws, does it? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't, but it it seems to be that it is it is sourced. Which you see from Moses and most respected his father-in-law. So there is an idea. It may not be as strong, you know, as it, it's yeah. But it's probably the same umbrella, not quite with the same severity, but the same umbrella. Yeah. Which and it might be a lot, a lot harder. If you have a hard time respecting. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I'm God, sure. Thank God, I'm my, sure. Well, thank God, my in-laws are you know, beautiful. You know. Tremendous people, but yes, yes, it's very important. And like you said, the most important thing with in-laws, but it's also, you don't want to have fights. No, you don't Especially want to start off that way. It's not a good way. I've heard stories. It's not good. Okay, so here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> what? Here's where it gets interesting. Okay, so now the Talmud is going to try to quantify. We're trying to quantify um, to what degree do you have to... Now, what does it mean to honor your parent? What does it mean to respect your parents? 
So there's many examples given. To honor means to take care of them. It means to give them food if they're, if they're hungry, to, to give them drink if they're thirsty, to help them, to help them, to clothe them, etc., etc. Do you have to use your own money? No. You don't have to spend your own money on your parents. It means you don't have to, you don't have to go out and shell, and, shell, and shell out money for your parents you have to give them food. You don't have to. They should pay for it. But you have to administer it. That's the halacha. You mean like... It means if, if they need help, be fed, or if that, okay. that's your command. You make sure they ensure to get, to get fed. You mm-hmm. should take care of their bodily needs, whatever that may be. Okay. Respect. What does it mean to respect? There are many examples brought, but one of them, which will get you depressed, is why I say you get depressed. You cannot argue with your, with your, with your parent. Even this little tiny little thing? Little tiny things. But you can say, no, I disagree with that. Can't say that. Uh, unless, unless you say, unless you say, um, dad or mom, I want to know if you gave me permission to disagree with you. <laughs> you know how to sit there, you know how to sit in their place? If they have like a designated spot on the couch or in a chair, you know, you have to stand up when they walk into the room. When your parent walks into the room, you show respect, right? If the president walks into the room, you stand up. Well, your parents, you also have to stand up, right? It's a measure of respect. And everyone says, what do you mean? Uh, my parent would be freaked out with saying weird. Really? Try it. <laughs> They'll like it, I promise. Now they probably like it, but when I, if I was a teenager, or even when my sister was a teenager, they would be like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, you're no, like, you know, I, 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 I tell people, you know what, just try it once. And the parent will say, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, Stand up when they walk in, stand up when they, when they sit down, they sit down as well. And they say something you disagree with, say, Dad, I'm not allowed to disagree with you, but could you give me a special permission? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Your parent, parents will appreciate that. As weird as it sounds for us, we're so, you know, but yeah, that's, there's a measure of respect that you have. Now, you're not allowed to argue, this, this, this is where it gets even more depressing. Ready? You're not allowed to argue with your parents, but you're not allowed to even agree with them. Let's say, let's say, let's say <laughs> your dad and your neighbor are having a disagreement. You're not allowed to say, oh, I agree with my dad. Why not? Because it seems like he needs your approval. It seems like your opinion, your opinion is like, holds weight. What about the other right? way around? Could you read? Well, certainly, then we'll be arguing with him. No, I mean, not that... Your dad I mean, agree with you? Like, is your parent allowed to agree with you? Yeah. Yes, your parent is allowed to agree with you. Oh, but okay. you have to say, listen, this is my dad's argument. If it's he wants my help, dad. I'll ask for it. Or my mom. I mean, think about that. Real respect. Mm-hmm. That's what we're obligated to do. But aren't you like, okay, so it's against the Torah? Yes, that's something else. There's an exception, right? If your parent says, like the famous example, if you're a Kohen, and your dad tells you, uh, go into the cemetery to get me something, you're not allowed to do it. Because, uh, after, Kohen, male Kohens cannot walk into cemeteries. But women Kohens? Women could, could do it as much as they want. They can make I don't want to marry tents. a Kohen, man. What? Why? It'd be awesome. You don't even go to funerals. But I would, and he wouldn't. Uh, well, you could say, listen, I'll leave my husband. I'm sorry. That would work. <laughs> We used to tell you all the tricks. I always wanted to. <laughs> you were calling. So he can't go to his wife's funeral. No, 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 no. There's seven. There's seven exceptions. Um, as Bruce would tell you, um, I, a um, a Cohen is not allowed to go to a, a funeral, but there are seven exceptions. Those seven exceptions are father, mother, sister, brother, son, daughter, and spouse, wife. Right. There are exceptions. Uh huh. Right, Mace Mitzvah, right. Yeah, correct. Bonus points, achieve. Right, there seven familial relationships. Yeah, one of them yeah. is a situational. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we got to points. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> right, so right. So if, you, if, you're, if your father tells you to do something which is bad for you, uh, or it's against, against the Torah, what the Torah wants, or says, oh, I don't want you to marry this person, or something like that, something that affects you, you don't have to listen to them. Uh, most certainly. If the, father, if the father tells you something dangerous or something uh, you know, unsafe or something irresponsible or something which affects you, you don't have to listen to that. 
You're not obligated to listen to that, you know, to, to that. But, uh, yes, Jason. I do, I do have a very um, serious question about that. Um, and it's maybe not parent, but I assume it's also hopefully grandparent and grandchild on some level. And the reason why I ask, or I say that, or I'm guessing it doesn't, some if it doesn't, is because you have Rashi being one of the most famous commentators. And then you have his grandson, Rashba, who disagreed with him. In many cases, in the interpretation, and it's really put out there that, you know, I do and you have Rabbi Tom. Right, you have lots and lots of his grandkids that are doing disagree with their grandfather. So the question is, um, it's possible, good question. What I would probably venture to say is that either Rashi encourages it, or there may be exception. When it comes to, to Torah, to arguing like not practical themes, uh, not mundane themes, but Torah themes, like to argue, like I know. Uh, you're supposed to even argue with your parent, right? If you're studying Torah, this is what this is. Uh, this is how the the, uh, uh, the the sages describe how you're supposed to study Torah. When you study Torah, you have to be so fierce. And you know, if you walk into yeshiva, like I don't know if any of y'all have ever been to a modern day yeshiva, like um, the yeshiva I went to, the one that had five thousand students and four barber shops, six thousand students, and like in these enormous, enormous, like massive rooms, right? Just you know. Tons of buildings, like, but but it's not like it's, like, it's not like how you would imagine the college to be. Rather, it's like benches, these benches, and these stenders, right? These like uh, little wooden, you know, right? And very close, and they're screaming on top of their lungs for hours on end because they're arguing. They're arguing in Talmud, like in in, in you know the, the highest levels of Talmud, arguing on top of their lungs and disagreeing, like vehemently disagreeing. So much so the Talmud says is that when two people are learning and they disagree on something, they should argue and they should start hating each other. <laughs> they hate each other. But in the end, when they finish arguing and they agree to what's actually correct and what's actually not correct, then then, that's, then, they, start, then they love each other again. So yes, there may be an obsession for Torah. Um, but if it's like uh, politics or something silly, uh, you just want to, you can't argue, but you can't even agree. You're respecting your your, your 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 parents, and it's not uh, it's not your place unless they ask for it to give your opinion. And your opinion holds no value. That's a tricky one. That's where that's where we get depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're a parent, and then you get all fired up. Not yet. It's not the shame. <laughs> okay, so um, to what degree do we have to be a? Uh, uh, do we have? So this is the, a few stories, and this is very strange. Very strange stories here. I'm reading really quickly. Um, you guys can follow along, or you can read the. Rabbi Ula says, "How far does the honor does the honor of parents extend? I.e., to what degree? To what you know?" Uh, he replied, "Go forth and see what a certain idolater, Dama, the son of Nesina by name, did in Ashkelon. So there's a fellow whose name was Dama, the son of Nesina, who was an idolater. He wasn't Jewish, and he lived in Ashkelon. The sages once desired merchandise for him, in which." There was a 600,000 gold dinari profit, i.e. he was making a lot of money. But the key was lying under his father, and he did not trouble him. He forfeited a major business deal because his dad was sleeping on a key. What does this mean? So it's elaborated in the next paragraph. Rabbi Judah said in the name of, uh, said in the name of Shmuel, uh, Rabbi Lazar was asked, How far does the honor of parents extend? Said he, Go forth and see, so it's the same story. What a certain idolater, Dhamma the son of Nesina by name, did in Ashkelon. What was the story? The sages sought jewels for the ephod. The ephod was the uh, the breastplate uh, of the uh, of the of the kohen had these these very rare stones in it. So they wanted a certain stone for the ephod at a profit of six hundred thousand gold dinari. Rabbi Gahana taught at a profit of eight hundred thousand uh, dinari. But the key was lying under his father's pillow. I.e., his father was sleeping, and the key to the safe was under his dad's pillow, and he did not disturb. He said, "My dad's sleeping." I don't want to disturb him. And he forfeited the deal. The following year, the Holy One, blessed is he, gave him his reward, i.e. because he because he, he he forfeited so much in order to honor his father and not wake him up, he got a reward. What was the reward? A red heifer was born to him in his herd. When the sages of Israel went to him to buy it, he said to them, I know you, that even if I asked you for all the money in the world, you would pay me, but I ask of you only the money which I lost through my father's honor. That's the first story. Basically, what we have here is a question. To what degree you have to honor your, your parents? 
And the answer is there's a story of a certain idolater. So from a goat, there's a cow? Uh, well, I'll explain. I'll explain. Yeah. So there's a certain idolater. His name was Dama, the son of Messina, who lived in Ashkelon. And there was a major business deal. And he was going to sell a certain stone for a major profit. Mm-hmm. Problem is, the key to the safe was under his dad's pillow. He didn't wake up his dad. He forfeited the profit in honor of his parents. And as a reward, he got a red heifer. Red heifer means a red cow, more precisely, an orange cow. There's such a thing called orange cows. They're actually red. Um, and um, we know that the, uh, the process of purifying, it, during the time of the temple, there was, I, there was the idea of purity and impurity with regard to the temple. And part of the process was used, uh, they used a red heifer, which is a small cow that's orange. They have orange cows, but it means a pure, purely orange cow with not, no blemishes and no black or white hairs, and very valuable because it's very rare to have such a perfectly uh, orange heifer. Heifer means a small cow, and he, uh, as a reward for uh, forfeiting the uh, the major, the lucrative deal, uh, now waking up his dad, he um, he got that, and he said, "You know what? I know I can ask for any amount of money in the world, but I only ask for the six hundred or eight hundred thousand." Dinari that I lost. That's the story. And the idea being is so much you have to make sure not to uh, to respect and honor your parents that even if it means losing a great amount of money. Yeah, that's the story. Now there's a few major, 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 major problems with this piece of Talmud. Right? Who do you think of some problems? What's the problem with the story? You're not honoring your parents by losing your grandparents' money. Well, or losing your own money. <laughs> it's like, uh, imagine, right? You get left the door, and you open the door, and uh, uh, David Carp, remember what David Carp is? Nobody knows. He's that uh, 26-year-old kid who just uh, who just uh, sold Tumblr. What? For what a billion point one dollars. What is Tumblr? Is that an app or something? That's like a, yeah, website. It's like a blog. Blog. He sold it to Yahoo for a billion point one. Or some other multi-millionaire. He, he knocks on the door. Is he Jewish? <laughs> just he kidding. He's Jewish. He's from New York. For real? <laughs> just kidding. David Carr from New York? Really? I don't know. A lot of intermarriages. Who knows? Um, but he, but he That's amazing. He built, he built the wow, website. I can't believe he built Anyhow. Anyhow, Yay. so there's a knock at the door, and there's some uh, billionaire outside here, and the guy says, listen, I'm on my way to, to a convention, and my uh, Mercedes or whatever uh, broke down, and I want to borrow your Honda Civic, and I'll give you $100,000 for a Honda Civic, and uh, well, right now, here's the money, take the money, or you go, right? Or I'll go to the neighbor, uh, he'll get his Honda Civic, right? The car is worth like I don't know what four and a half thousand dollars. It's two thousand four. It's pretty rusty. It's got like ninety five thousand miles in it. And imagine if your kid says, "Oh, listen, Dad's got the keys on his uh, on his belt. He's taking his nap, his siesta. I don't wake him up." Just imagine what kind of lashing would this kid get when his dad wakes up and finds out that he could have sold could have sold his. On the Civic that he was hoping to get stolen in the night anyhow, right? <laughs> For insurance purposes. <laughs> um, and, and he could have made tons of money. Oh, but he didn't wake him up because the keys were under his bed. Be furious. Be livid. Is that really what it means to honor your parents? To not wake him up even if it means costing a you know, small fortune? It depends on how much they like the car. Oh, how much they like sleeping. <laughs> yeah, and additionally... I, I, additionally, I find um, to be very peculiar. Remember, what was the question? The original question we started off with: To what degree do we need to honor our parents? That's the question. The only way to answer it is to find some idolater, someone who's engages in idol worship. But remember, one of the Ten Commandments is also: Don't be an idolater. The only guy in the world you could find that lived up to the standard necessary was an idolater. Really? That's the only guy you could find? That's the only example that you could hang up on a pedestal and say, this is how you're supposed to do properly? Uh, keep it up aim, honoring your parents? 
You're gonna find some nice pies too to, who who fulfill that uh, you know degree of, uh, of of compliance. Very strange. To what degree? How much do you have to uh, exert yourself in order to honor your parents? Oh, you know what? There was some idolater who was in Vambasina, who lived in Ashkelon. He's the one who did it correctly. And this question is actually compounded. If you take a look at the last um, at the last of the paragraphs, when Rabbi Dimi came, what does it mean he came? Uh, where was this book written? Where's the Talmud written? In Babylon. So when it came, it means he came from Israel to Babylon. Right? So when he came, he said, uh, uh, Dama Benesina was once wearing a gold embroidered silken cloak and sitting amongst Roman nobles when his mother came, tore it off him, struck him on the head, and spat in his face, yet he did not shame her. Once again, another story, another story about this same guy, Dama Benesina, Dama the son of Messina, uh, who once again exemplified how even though his mother seems to be totally deranged, and he's sitting there with all the noblemen of Rome wearing fancy clothing, right, gold embroidered clothing, and his mother comes over to says and says and rips it off of him, right, hits him and spits him in his face, and he was just silent. He just took the abuse. Once again, it seems like it's another story saying even though his mom seems to be crazy. Even though his mom seems to be crazy, he still didn't, he still respected her. He still didn't, you know, retort or anything back to her. Right? Uh, even though he was embarrassed and publicly, you know, a bunch of high society. So, uh, once again, this is this seems like it's another story about this great guy who was so successful at, at honoring his parents that, he, you know, he didn't even embarrass them, even in such a scenario. But um, someone once pointed out, says, hey, listen, the mom is obviously deranged. Right? The mom seems like she's out of her, out of her box, right? Seems crazy, right? She came, she ripped off his clothing, she hit him, and she spat at him, right? <laughs> she seems to be pretty nuts, right? Maybe his dad was nuts as well. And maybe his dad didn't want to disturb in his sleep. Even if it means, even if it means losing a very lucrative business deal. What if you wake him up because you're not feeling good? Is he going to be upset then? What, if you're not, you're not feeling well? Yeah, you know when you're like a child and you wake up your No, the, the point is like this. If your parent would be upset if you woke them up, mm-hmm. you shouldn't wake them up. Even if you're sick? No, it depends. Most, most parents, if their child is sick, they want to be woken up. Oh. So if your parent wants to be woken up, <laughs> but if your parent does not want to be woken up, then you even if it means it. losing a lot of money, you don't wake him up. Mm. Okay. But uh, but the other question still remains unanswered. Why would we find there's no way there's no way to demonstrate this point, this dedication towards honoring parents by finding some story about some nice Jewish kid who did it? Because there's some idolatry. This is an interesting question. I, I, I guess it doesn't give patriotism because they do an outside source. It doesn't. Oh, look at this family, and this is they're the better because we're using them as an example, but use an example from an outside source. It's sort of like it's more it's more objective. Yeah. It's more objective. Oh, maybe. That makes the good job. Interesting. If, if we were connecting the idea of adult with um you know, with fearing and accepting God the fear of and respect the people, to get some say doctor who's so far away Wow, I like that. Means we have a head start, you're saying. We do fear God. We're not a dog. I don't like that. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> put two and two together. We have a head start. We res- we respect God. We're God fearing. This guy wasn't God fearing. And he still honored his parents. I like that. I didn't even think about that. Interesting. So two interesting answers. Uh, what I what I did find, I found something very fascinating. Um, we know that Asaph, Asal, right? Jacob's brother, Jacob's twin brother, was renowned for his honoring of his parents. Right? We have the, you know, like in in, in the in, in the uh, the battle for you know the soul of humanity. 
Like in Jewish in Jewish philosophy, we have Jacob, the Jews, and we have Asaph. Asaph is like Rome. It's you know purely physical versus spiritual. Like if if the the battle of good versus evil is 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 the same battle of Jacob and his twin brother. And still, Asaph or Asal is is still renowned for his honoring of his parents. Once again, you see an example of the Jewish person not necessarily being lauded uh, for for honoring parents, but you know, Asa, who's representative of the Gentiles, he's the one who uh, you know who's pointed out as being uh, particularly you know gifted or, or particularly uh, you know, apt or able in this in this mitzvah. Also curious. Um, so one of the ideas that I saw to share with y'all is that honoring your parents it makes sense. Why do you honor your parents? There's two reasons why. There's two reasons why you, you honor your life parents. And they take care of you. Right. There's two ways to do it. You could say, "Listen, I'm honoring my parents. I'm honoring my parents because that's what the Torah says. That's what the Torah says. Why? What's the rationale? What's well, the type of discussion? But why? The reason why I'm doing it." The Torah says, honor your parents. The second I do that, that enables me to honor my parents in any situation. Idolaters, they don't care about the Torah. Right? They don't care about the Torah. What they're saying is, why I'm honoring my parents. Why am I honoring my parents? Because it makes sense. There's, there's two reasons. It makes sense. Your parents gave you a lot, right? It makes sense to honor them. There's two reasons why we can honor our parents. Either because it makes sense, or what's the Torah says. Right? There are some mitzvahs that are logical, like honoring your parents. So even Gentiles embrace them. What, what was his reward? Better yet, what's the most illogical mitzvah for us to understand? We know there's mitzvahs that are logical, make sense to us. Do not murder, right? Don't steal. Honor your parents. And then there are mitzvahs that are way beyond the grasp of the human intellect. And the 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 paragon of the mitzvahs that we cannot understand, Jason? Red heifer. Red heifer. How the red heifer works? Totally, totally, totally um, beyond human comprehension. And we know that this is this is always used. There's different categories of mitzvahs. The mitzvahs that make sense, called mishpatim. There's chukim, mitzvahs that are edicts. It's because that's what God says, and you don't possibly have the uh, brain power to understand it. And honor your parent, that seems at the top of the list of those of the misses that make sense. He honored his parents. Why did he honor his parents? It made sense. What's his reward? He gets a red heifer. Doesn't seem to have the same value. If if honor your parent makes sense, at least to the human intellect. Red heifer doesn't make at all any sense to the, to the human intellect. So, uh, the idea being is that Dhamma Nasina, right? Dhamma the son of Nasina, you're honoring your parents. We have to view that as we're honoring our parents, so that's what we're told. So, if we, that's what Tony says. So, if I have a hard time honoring my parents, my, my parents, let's say maybe he's not worthy, or he or she is not, not worthy of being honored, I still have to do it. Why? Because in reality, the reason why I'm doing it is the same reason why I do the red heifer. I'm doing it because that's what I'm told. So yes, like I said, you know, the, I think that every every child at some point has an issue with at least one of their parents. Um, generally, it's the opposite sex, right? Um, that that is, you know, generally uh, the the or you you actually fight with. Same sex. You fight. So if you're if you're man, if you're a boy, you actually fight with your, your father, your dad. It's usually we usually well, it's no no rules to it. But um, but you know, girls have issues with their mom. You know, they come to their soccer games and they try to befriend their friends. And you know, anyhow, everyone has their own experiences. But this is not an easy thing, and we cannot say, especially especially if we understand what I mean. Like really, I can't agree with them. I have to respect them. I have to stand up for them. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask for us. And especially, this is compounded by many times where we see the flaws of our parents. We do see the flaws of our parents. So those things jump out at us. 
we have like a microscope that's able to, or a uh, telescope, or what are those things called? A, uh, a magnifying glass that that just, you know, enlarges our parents' shortcomings. We have to say we're doing it because we're obligated to do it. It's like the red heifer. And, uh, yeah, those are my thoughts. And I hope, you know, I hope, you know, it just gives us a little bit of perspective about what it means to honor parents. We're equating honoring parents with honoring God. How awesome is that? Uh, if we're grateful, um, they, you know, they brought us here. They took care of us. My wife even tells me that um, sometimes kids wake up at night. Um, she tells me that. Uh, the parents have to wake up and tend to them, or mothers, whatever. Mothers or fathers. Okay. Or fathers of the joke. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and there's also the idea of, yes, it's going to be challenging, it's going to be difficult, uh, but ultimately you have to do it because you have to do it. Uh, no, no way different than, than, uh, than the red heifer. Sometimes sometimes you have to do it, you don't understand it. You know, it's like, I think it's, uh, it's like, like that in relationships, like, like that as well. Sometimes things don't make sense, and you got to just do it, you got to just do it, because that's what's right, the right thing to do. Yes, but I would advise, if anyone here encounters their parents anytime soon, Try standing up for them. See, see the reaction. Try it. Talk to them in third person. They'll like it, I think. <laughs> in third person? Yeah. What does uh, father want for breakfast? No. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. Can you say, can you make, can, wait, question, because I actually don't call my dad dad, and I don't call him father. I call him Padre. So do I say, what, what does Padre want? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think that <laughs> it's something that's worth to try, and sometimes you'll be surprised how your parents may embrace it. They may say, "Yeah, finally, the kids finally took it up." Oh, I think they're like, "What is wrong with you?" Okay, so you say, "You know what? Do you let me call you? Do you let me call you in first person?" Yes. And they'll be like, "Yeah, you could do it." But remember, that's that's respect. That's honor. So do you call them the parental unit then? I mean. <laughs> Parental units? <laughs> what does the parental unit want? What does the masculine parental unit want? <laughs> so that's that. Uh, yeah, and send me, and once again, next week, if there's a particular issue that you want to hear about, or you want to hear perspective, perspective <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. That's what I thought you were getting into. I was like, okay. Yes, and thank you all for coming. Hope you all enjoyed. I just have a really quick question.